State Champs Nation, Lauren Plant here. Before we get to this podcast, I just wanted to bring you a quick programming note. The State Champs Sports Network is expanding our podcast programming. In order to make it easier for you to listen to the podcast you want to listen to, we wanted to break them all out. You can find each of our podcasts on your favorite podcast platform, from Apple and Google Podcasts to Spotify and so many more. If you're a State Champs super fan, you want to listen to them all, you don't have to to change a thing. We'll still be posting everything in this feed. Now, on with the podcast. It is our first postseason edition of the State Champs Indiana Extra Point Podcast. Brought to you by Lawrence Technological University. My name is Greg Rankstraw, the host of the show. As always, I am joined by my good friend, Mr. Bob Stambazzi. Hello, Baz. How you doing? Just doing peaches. Oh, what an exciting weekend. I'm ready to get going. Our Extra Point podcast again presented by Lawrence Technological University. Over 100 degree programs offered at the university consistently ranked one of the best in the Midwest, according to U.S. News and World Report. Find out more at ltu.edu. And Baz, normally... It is you open with your game, I open with mine. We talk about other big results. <laughs> we will spend more time talking about the games that are going to happen since week nine tends to quickly get put into the dustbin and we focus on on postseason games immediately. But we frankly talk about what was the game in the state, and it certainly lived up to the hype. And that was Center Grove scoring in the final minute after trailing for most of the second half against Cathedral and winning that game by a score of 17 to 13. I'll let you open up with your opening thoughts about the game and I'll deliver mine. Go ahead. Well, when you sit there and think that uh, uh, they were being talked about, they being uh, Center Grove being talked about as one of the greatest teams in the history of Indiana high school football ever, uh, does this bring them back down? I doubt it because the team they go up against is another juggernaut of a program. And it's something that I believe I felt would happen in this thing, just from the standpoint of the competition they're going to be playing. And they've seen a team like Center Grove this season in regards to the overall athletes that uh, Center Grove bring table. Does the score shock me? No, not really. Does how they scored late in the game shock me? Yeah, that, that kind of shocks me how Center Grove was able to get those points late. Center Grove can throw the football. They just haven't had to, to be honest with you. Uh, and and this, is, this is a year where Center Grove has a Division I talent at quarterback in Taven Jackson. The only other time in Eric Moore's 20-plus year tenure that's been the case, it was Jordan Llewellyn, who was on their 2008 state championship team, who had gone to play at, at Georgia Tech. Uh, and, and was probably recruited as much of an athlete at quarterback as he was for his pure passing skills. He could do it. But Taven Jackson is a legitimate Division One quarterback. Uh, threw a big touchdown pass in the game we had against Lawrence North the week before. And, and really, that was kind of how their offense got started, was him being able to throw the football. But by the time they got to the second half, it was just a matter of wearing down LN's defense and so the star of the show was the offensive line in Carson Steele. To a lesser degree, Daniel Weems back in week number eight. But I've always felt that if Center Grove was trailing and had to throw the football, they could. 
know, that has always been to some degree an Achilles heel of theirs. They were trailing late. Could they move the football quickly? Well, clearly this year they can. I think it says a lot about this group that they really weren't challenged for the first seven weeks. They trail in the second half of back-to-back games in week eight and week nine, and they find a way to get the job done. It says a lot about them being the best team in the state of Indiana or the best team in 6A this year. It does, I think, knock them down a peg or two in terms of having the historical debate. Yeah. But but frankly, what's most important, did you win the game that was put in front of you? And they did. And do I think they're going to win the 6A state championship? Yes, I do. So we can now have the historical debate after Thanksgiving weekend. Um, it, was, it was great that those two teams were able to play each other. Now, the other debate that I will throw out there, and again, it's we're talking about it kind of after the fact and, and not as relevant. I'm not sure how relevant it would be in the first place. Uh, because Center Grove won the game. But, Bob, we almost had the case where two years running, fans of a 5A team can claim they were the best in the state of Indiana. Not not the best in their class, but the best in the state of Indiana. Where last year, New Pal had beaten Center Grove each of the last two years. Center Grove, of course, made the state championship game, albeit at 4-5 and five in the regular season, but made the state title game last year before losing to Carmel in a closely contested game. New Pal beat Center Grove. It wasn't a rout, but they beat them handily when they played in week number two, were barely touched during the course of, of the season last year. New Pal folks will tell you, and if there had been a game between them and Carmel, it would have been a great one, uh, that they had the best team in the state. Cathedral was a minute or so away from being able to claim they've got the best team in the state. And now, Baz, I think there's little doubt they're the second best team in the state. I would concur with that 100%. Uh, they put uh, they put their stripes out there, and they earned them. And one of the big things you look at like that, we have a tendency up here uh, to look and say, uh, I guess, Greg, look at it like we look at the sack. If you're going to play down in the metro area, uh, y'all going to play one certain level of ball. If you come up into the sack, you're going to play one certain style of ball. Well, down there, they have just got, down there being in Indianapolis, just have tremendous athletes throughout. And I think that's what dictates uh, Cathedral being so well. And I will say this, clearly Cathedral is the heavy favorite in 5A, obviously Center Grove in 6A. I will point this out about Cathedral. And this is the eighth year of there being a separate 5A and 6A. And this is the best 5A has been. And so they will have worthy competition across the board. Decatur Central, not as good as they have been the last couple of years, but still very solid. They're in the same sectional. Um, they will be one of Whiteland or New Pal in the regional. New Pal, nowhere near as good as their team last year, but still a very solid football team. Uh, I don't think Cathedral get, would get much of a, of a fight from whomever they would see in the, in the semi-state round. But in the northern half of the state, as you know, yeah. Valparaiso is really good. Dwanger is really good. Uh, Harrison is a pretty solid football team. Harrison and Dwenger played in the regional last year. And so um, it will not be a cakewalk for Cathedral in terms of competition. It might be a cakewalk for Cathedral because that's how good of a football team I think they are. All right, moving on. Whom did you have to wrap up the regular season on Friday night? We had a great slobber knocker. Uh, we had Southwood and Tippecanoe Valley as uh, Southwood wins this one 32 to 8. And the exciting thing for your Southwood fan, uh, they extended 
the all-time winning streak in the TRC to 26 games, and all overall their 32nd consecutive victory in regular season football for Southwood. Now, you got to look on Valley side, though, Greg. They came into this thing limping on both legs. They came in with their number four running back uh, to start at tailback this year, and then they lost their fullback midway through the game and a receiver midway through the game. But the Vikings didn't quit, nor did the Knights. And uh, Alex Farr, their quarterback for Southwood, who's thrown for over 1,500 yards this year, uh, just had an outstanding game. Uh, rushing the football, keeping uh, the, the Valley offense, uh, defense very, very balanced because if they don't, then he's going to get some big yards. But uh, he just controls the tempo. And one thing out there for all of our Northern listeners, we've got a, a, a twin brother duo on South with the Rich Boys, Carson and Connor. Well, Coach went to Connor, who's an outstanding receiver and running back, and they were talking last week that, man, we got to get a different center because theirs was hurt. Connor says, Coach, give me the number. Coach says, well, you can't catch any more passes. He said, Coach, I don't care. I want to win. So number 56 uh, was our hog of the uh, game Friday night. He, nobody got by him. All great snaps. That, I think, speaks volumes of exactly who Southwood is this year. By the way, how big is Connor? You want to give me some dimensions on Connor's size going from wide receiver to center? <laughs> You're going to love this. Uh, he's five foot uh, 10 on a good day and a hundred and I'd say 75 pounds. And uh, it, it, they're both identicals. I mean, uh, they're just great kids. Uh, just, just you, once you meet them, you will never forget them. What is it that Southwood has done to build such a consistent winner. And you can go back 20 years ago, they yeah. played South Putnam in the 1A state championship game. And they had this group of athletes that got to the, that, that went deep into, into the football playoffs and then made the basketball state finals guys like Trexler and Blair, uh, you know, for, for, from a couple of three years ago, but what is it that Southwood has done now to build such a consistent winner in football? Uh, this will sound a little corny. They care about the kids seriously. And the kids, uh, relate to that. They know they can communicate with the coaches. The parents love them. Uh, this may be uh, the last year for Dave Snyder. There's some contemplation there. His brother, who was a former head coach there, Dan Snyder. Uh, you know Terry Seidel, former coach uh, at uh, Southwood. Uh, they've just had a rich tradition of coaches, and kids can relate to them. They're, it's not somebody new coming in there day in, day out, and they've had a great, great streak of uh, quarterbacks and far being, uh, being the newest one there. And, and then they look at their defense. We have a tendency up here, Greg, to look at offense. Sure. Miz on defense, uh, they've only allowed in conference play the entire season now, uh, just 46 points and 85 overall. So they play both sides of the ball. And I think that's what makes them so effective. All right, so let's talk about my game that I had on uh, on Friday night, and it was Ben Davis and North Central. Now, last year, that was for a share of the conference championship, one that four teams grabbed a piece of, as four teams in the Mickey a year ago went five and two. This year, it was it was more along the lines of pride. North Central had already wrapped up a third consecutive winning season, which is the first time that's happened from two since two thousand four through two thousand six. Ben Davis came in three and five uh, and, and had a nice win the week before against the Lawrence Central team that is really struggling at, at, at this point in time. 
So you're kind of like, okay, you kind of write that off. Well, Ben Davis has made a couple of changes in terms of personnel, um, offensive play calling, et cetera, and seemingly they have taken off. North Central had had some had some players missing defensively, had a couple of offensive linemen out. North Central returns the opening kickoff for a touchdown. Darren Johnson's going to play at Northwestern next year. Goes 93 yards. Next drive, Ben Davis goes three and out. And I'm like, hmm, we're not be seeing much of a game here tonight, boys. And I was right, except it was the other team. On the next drive, Ben Davis forces a sack and a fumble. Short field scores. Ben Davis proceeds to then score the next 42 points of the game. Mm. They are leading 35-7 at halftime. They score in the third quarter. We go running clock midway through the third quarter. And this is against the team that's ranked number eight in 6A at the time in North Central. North Central would score a couple of cosmetic touchdowns. 42-20 is the score. Ben Davis gets to four and five. And Ben Davis now has a has an open postseason path to the regional. Through the luck of the draw, Ben Davis gets Southport, Perry Meridian, and Tech in their sectional. Nobody has more wins than Ben Davis does with four, and nobody plays the level of competition Ben Davis does of that group. Ben Davis had a much better team last year, much better record last year, uh, and, and made the semi-state before losing at Center Grove. Uh, but last year, Ben Davis outscored their sectional foes 107 to 10. Uh, then they also got the break of Zionsville upsetting Brownsburg, and Ben Davis beat a, a 500-ish Zionsville team last year. They won't get that this year just because they will get likely one of Brownsburg or Carmel, who is now again in the southern half of the draw in 6A. But Ben Davis has some talent. Again, I don't think Ben Davis is going to be a difference maker in terms of potentially beating Center Grove. It was somewhat competitive when they played back in week four. You know, I say somewhat given the scores that Center Grove has put up. It's 35-12 because of Ben Davis being having some defensive pieces that are pretty solid. Offensively, they seem to have finally figured some things out uh, in, in that game. Um, but but it, it was it was one of the bigger surprises in the state, uh, given the fact that Ben Davis had largely been struggling this year, had not been consistent on offense, and now they have blown up for 40 or more points in each of the last two weeks. Good halfway point as we will now transition into uh, the uh, the preview of sectional games. It's presented by Lawrence and Illogical University, located in Southfield, Michigan, which offers 27 teams across 22 sports. Track and field, even men's volleyball, just some of the newest offerings. There's nothing quite like being a college athlete. If you dreamed about it, check this out. Head on over to ltuathletics.com and click the Be Recruited tab on the homepage. Fill out the questionnaire for your sport, and the incredible coaching staff will get it. Recruit yourself. You can even intern with the State Champ Sports Network team while you're living the dream in one of the best educations out there. Your journey begins at ltuathletics.com. All right, my friend, let's first of all talk about the fact that there are no 6A games this week. Correct. There is one 5A game this week, which we will talk about in Decatur Central going to Terre Haute North. But this has been the case now. Again, this is the eighth year of having six classes and not five. When we first began this, everybody played this week, and then it became the 5A and 6A guys had an additional bye week on the back end of the postseason – 
where they would be done by mid-November, and then they would wait until the state championship game. Coaches then asked, hey, can we all have a bye the first week? That also helps from an officiating load standpoint. And so the IHSAA quickly agreed. Um, for somebody that, that, that hangs with 6A teams every week, it creates an opportunity to see somebody different. Uh, I'll get to my game here in a minute. Um, there are not an overabundance of attractive matchups uh, across the state of Indiana and especially locally in the Indianapolis area, just the way things are drawn. For those of you that are that are proponents of seeding the tournament, it kind of worked out that way this year. There are only a couple of real heavyweight matchups on, on the first week uh, from, a, from, from a 1A through 4A level. So I guess just kind of overall your thoughts on the landscape this week, Bob, knowing that uh, – the spotlight will shine on more of the smaller guys across the state of Indiana. You know, and, and I know they're going to like that, but uh, I, I would have to agree. I am not a big fan of seeding, so uh, you got a little chuckle out of me when you said that. But uh, I just, I love the David Goliath theory and, and way some of these matchups, we're going to have some great ball games. There's no if or ands or buts about it. But uh, it's just the way it was drawn out this year, a little different than what we've seen the past couple of years because we don't really have that one or two or three big impact games the first week of the IHSA football sectional. There's a couple in 4A, and we will get to them, because I know, I'm, I'm assuming where you're going to be this week, is the game that I have highlighted for 1A. We'll start our, 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 our ourselves small and work our way up. So it's safe to assume you got Northfield Southwood this week, Bob? We do. Uh, we will be at Southwood, and earlier in the season, Southwood handled uh, Northfield but North, Southwood also remembers last year going into this very game undefeated and got clipped by Northfield. So uh, don't think the Nor uh, Norths are going to come in this thing thinking they already have a one because of what happened last year. But I will tell you, Greg, this is definitely a tale of two teams. Northfield loves to rush the football behind their quarterback, Jake Halderman, uh, Jared Schaefer and Gossert, the running backs. If they pass the ball, stop the presses and they're going to go against a team that if they run the ball, stop the presses <laughs> and that Southwood is going as uh, we alluded to earlier, far likes to get it, spread the offense, put the ball in their athletes hands. And uh, they like to run a gun and giggle up that football field, but rest assured there's going to be some great defense played in this ball game. I'll be honest with you. This is a pick em game. This is going to be an outstanding high school football game. By the way, and I'm not sure if this applies statewide, but I can tell you, at least from the Indianapolis perspective, we have had literally perfect weather across the state of Indiana so far through nine weeks. Now, it's barely rained for the last six or seven weeks until about now, uh, and so it's been easier to have perfect weather on Friday night because nobody's been seeing any rain. In the Indy area, rain's in the forecast on Friday, so just be prepared that uh, it's kind of the indication that this is now the football season. All right. In two A, I picked a couple of teams that are not too far from you as well. Right. Uh, East side has been one of the great stories, not exactly a, a great football tradition. They've been really good the last couple of years. Their lone loss was an arranged marriage type of game as we yeah. have coined on this program this year. They went all the way to Concord and lost in a competitive game. East side's got Bluffton. Does Bluffton have anything for East side brother Bass? Oh, they do. Uh, Bluffton's an outstanding football team. Uh, you don't hear about them much, but Greg, they're sitting here eating one themselves. And uh, they definitely uh, have a quarterback and a her kid. 
that can get the ball up and down the field, has thrown for almost 1,700 yards, and Nern, and he's also rushed for over 400. Then they got another running back at Middlestep that uh, runs the ball. He has 800-plus yards and a ton of touchdowns. And he sides, the thing, I, having officiated both those schools for a long time, Greg, one thing you always see with these side is a very hard nose, hard hitting uh, program. And that's no different than what this 2A team Blazers are doing this year. Their quarterback, Davis, is throwing for almost 1,200 yards. They rely on Davis. Well, by the way, 700 yards in rushing along with Firestein. And you got to stop the receiver and Burns. This is going to be an outstanding football game. And, and I, I just, the way they play defense is going to be the intriguing part of this ball game because Bluffton has played from behind of late, Greg, and they've come through with big wins. That, to me, builds character, builds confidence, builds wins. I think Bluffton upsets them. All right, so in 3A, the two games that got my attention are in the southern half of the bracket. Uh, one of them is the game that I will have. So, uh, again, no 6A football, no Mick football, so we got to do a little something different. I'm looking forward to it. I will have Indian Creek at Tri-West on, uh, on Friday night. Indian Creek is 6-3. and three. They've got a brand-new head coach, Steve Spinks, who spent a long time at Cascade. Uh, Indian Creek has a great running back in Counter Fruits. This is a young man that transferred from Center Grove last year. With all the talent at Center Grove, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go someplace else to play my football. And he ends up at, uh, at Indian Creek. Tri-West also has a first-year head coach and Coach Ward. They are 7-2. and two. I give the nod to Tri-West for a couple of reasons in this one. One, they have played a, a tougher schedule. I think the Sagamore Athletic Conference is a better league than the Western Indiana Conference that Indian Creek is a part of. Secondarily, they are at home. It's a Tri-West team that's a little more balanced. If they can't stop Indian Creek's running game, then Creek's going to win that football game. But but Indian Creek and Tri-West, 6-3 and three at 7-2. and two. That's the game that we will have on the ISC Sports Network, at least as far as my featured game that will be seen on my Indy TV throughout central Indiana as well. Now, the other game I wanted to point out is Brownstown and Lawrenceburg. Lawrenceburg is 8-1, and one, and as per usual, their lone loss is week one to East Central for a powerhouse right off the bat. And they have since rattled off eight consecutive victories. Brownstown is probably not as good as they normally would be um, under Reed May because they're so often not in O going to the postseason. They are six and two. They were beaten up by Silver Creek a bit last week, but it shows you how good their program is. That if you're, it's a down year and they're six and two. That's how good Brownstown is. A few years ago, this was a semi-state game. They have since been drawn together in the same sectional more often than not since that time. Lawrenceburg's probably got the advantage here, but clearly, Bob, that's a matchup that has some uh, two historically good programs and two teams that made it to the state finals in years gone by. Yeah, no doubt. I would have to agree with you, and I know you've talked about that, uh, these teams in the past, but this could be a lot of fun to see this game. All right, so some of the other games worth talking about in Class 4A. Like I said, um, there's some really good matchups in the southern half of the state. I want to get to the northern half of the state. Let's talk about Hammond, Morton, and Lowell, just because of all the Hammond schools didn't start playing until Week 7. The governors of Hammond, Morton were really good last year. This is also the last year for Hammond, Morton High School as it's constructed. 
Hammond is going from four high schools to two. I know Gavin is one of the ones closing. Gavin, Clark, Hammond, and Morton will merge out of the two high schools. I think Morton is going to continue to be a high school, but the composition of who goes where is going to change. Hammond Morton had some kids that transferred to Merrillville early in the season when they thought right. that Hammond Morton wasn't going to have a season. Hammond Morton has won the games they have played so far, but they're also going up against a Lowell program that uh, is a previous state champion. And off the top of my head, three years ago, they were the runners-up in the 4A state championship game. Um, this game would get more attention if Hammond Morton would have played a full schedule. But this, this is a sneaky good game up in the region, Bob. I, I have to agree. And, and Lowell's having kind of a down year for Lowell. But one thing that really jumped out at me when I looked at Morton, and granted they haven't been playing football, uh, they just started October 3rd. But you look at the roster, Greg. Now, you would think when you're told you're not going to play football, not many kids are going to play. Well, they've got 137 kids on their roster. And that speaks volumes about uh, uh, kids up in the region wanting to get a play. Morton's right now 3-0. and And uh, you, you look over here, 2-6 and six is Lowell. Uh, this is going to be an interesting ball game. We talked about it last year when Elkhart schools were combining all the emotion up there. I think there's going to be a lot of emotion on this football field for this Hammond-Morton team as they take on Lowell. This is going to be a dandy in this bad boy. All right, the other game, of the, you referenced this last week when the pairings first came out. East Noble made yeah. the state championship game last year, uh, lost a lot under Coach Amstutz, but still, again, caliber of program where you know they're going to be above 500 every year. They are 6-3. and three. They get Columbia City, a team that they know very well. Give me your breakdown of that contest, Coach. That's a great one. Uh, when you look at this ball game on paper, both are 6-3. and three. Uh, East Noble wins three, loses three, wins three, coming down the stretch. Columbia City moves into the new Taj Mahal in Columbia City, and their new stadium up there. And uh, they went six straight this season, 0-3 down the stretch. And one of those uh, teams that they lost to was none other than East Noble by the score of 27-10. Now, another factor in this game, Greg, which is huge, Brett Fox, the head football coach of the Columbia City Eagles, is down this week with COVID. So he will not be on the sideline. You wonder how much effect that's going to have on the Eagles of, of Columbia City High School uh, against a, a rival in East Noble. But more importantly, our, our thoughts and prayers are with Coach uh, uh, on a comeback. But uh, I don't know if they can overcome that. I'm going to pick East Noble. All right, so with that, I'll take the ones from the southern half of the state. Um, let's talk about East Central and Silver Creek. I think this is the third time in four years these teams have gotten together. And again, Silver Creek is a very unique story. Silver Creek for decades was the largest school in the state that did not play football. They've been playing varsity football for a decade. And they're a 4A school. Um, they, they have gotten to be pretty good pretty fast. They are also unique in that they are the largest school in their league. They are part of the Mid-Southern Conference where virtually all other schools that play football in the Mid-Southern Conference are at the 3A level. Um, well, Silver Creek is still 3A in, in, in basketball, volleyball, um, soccer. In fact, their soccer team is in the girls' semi-state. Their boys' basketball team won the state championship two years ago. They'll be the favorite in 3A this year. They have, I wouldn't say run roughshod, but they have won, they won the all-sports championship a few years in a row now uh, because of, They've had some talented athletes coming through. 
But also, having grown up down there, I, I, I know the area well, the population is heading in their direction. Um, they are maybe a few years behind the curve in comparison to, say, a Westfield, a castle in the Evansville area, Carroll or Homestead in Fort Wayne that are not Fort Wayne City Schools, but have gotten to the point from a size standpoint where they're as big as the biggest schools in their area. Silver Creek is not there yet, but I think at some point in time in the not too distant future, they are going to be. So I think it's interesting to see there, there is an opening in the largest league in that area for next year. Madison, which is now a 3A school in most competitions, is leaving the Hoosier Hills Conference as its smallest member at the end of the season. They're going to do so as an independent. I think they are hoping that Silver Creek takes their spot so then Madison can simply flip leagues with Silver Creek and join the MSC. And Silver Creek then would be the smallest school in the Hoosier Hills. But again, I think they would be competitive with most of those schools, maybe other than Columbus East from a football standpoint. So I, I give you that long-winded explanation of saying Silver Creek is 9-0, but they are, they are doing so against largely 3A competition. Now, honestly, that's who East Central has played more often than not this year. East Central's two losses have been both to Chatard and Ron Colley. And good on East Central for going out and trying to find the best competition they can. They own a victory over Cincinnati Moeller from week number three. Lawrenceburg is the other best team that East Central has played. So East Central 7-2 at Silver Creek 9-0. I still think East Central's the favorite because of the competition they have played. But quickly, your thoughts on how you just kind of balance record versus level of competition when it comes to this time of the year. That's a great question because we talk about that actually up here a lot. And when you sit there and look at the record, uh, wins are wins are wins. But when you're playing competition, uh, that enters so much into it. And an example I give somebody the other day, I said, if you have somebody rushing for 250 yards against an 0-6 team, and the next week he rushes for five yards against a 7-0 team, is this guy a great running back? Well, he may not be great. He's good, but he may not be great against everybody. But to me, if you're going to play that tough competition day in and day out, that makes you, I I guess, relate to our situation up here, Greg, as you're very familiar with, with Fort Wayne Bishop Lures, year yep. in, year out. Goes out there, gets pounded by the sack schools, look out tournament time. So I put a lot of value in the level of competition and schedule that you're playing. I would say Silver Creek, I think the last two times they've played have been at East Central. Um, so the fact they get them at home is a big deal. That's that's there's no easy way to get from East Central to Silver Creek. Uh, and it's about an hour and a half, be my guess, uh, in terms of a drive, um, about as long as you'll have for a sectional game. If there's ever a year where Silver Creek's going to get them, at least and you know, for the next say a few or so far, this is their best chance. But again, I, if I'm Silver Creek, I'm taking a long and hard look and saying, okay. Are we willing to sacrifice maybe our regular season record for a few years to be better come postseason time? That's what I'd be thinking about if I'm the if I'm the AD at Silver Creek about potentially making that move to the HHC. Other game, speaking of conference moves, Central plays at Jasper. Central is nine and zero as in Evansville Central. Jasper is seven and two. Kudos to Tony Lewis and Jasper because they made a big step up. They left the Big Eight Conference knowing they were going to be 4A in all sports. And, and, and really, this was more about the other sports than football. 
uh, where Jasper kind of dominated them in the big boy and the big eight for a long time. But their, their basketball, volleyball, soccer, et cetera, are now playing in the largest classification in the other stuff. And so they made the move and they brought Vincent's Lincoln with them to join the Southern Indiana Athletic Conference, which, again, is the equivalent of the summit in Fort Wayne to where all of the city schools, the suburban school, Castle, and the two parochial schools in Memorial and Modern Day all play in one big league. Now that league in football is a 10-team league, and scheduling is very easy. Full round robin, no non-conference games. And so Jasper jumping into playing much larger schools their first year goes 7-2. and two. Central is one of the schools that beat them. I don't think that Evansville football has been really good the last few years. I think it's a little bit down this year, but Central is the best team. But now Central has to go to beat Jasper for a second time and try to do so in Jasper. That will not be an easy game. We're up against it time-wise. The other game I wanted to get to is the one game in 5A, Decatur Central and Terre Haute North. That will not be an easy game for Decatur Central. They go to Terre Haute North, who is four and five, but Terre Haute North kind of hung with Chittard for a half two weeks ago and beat a good Burbuff team on Friday night. And I realized the fact that those are two 3A schools I mentioned, but they're two ranked 3A schools that I mentioned against the game. It's the largest enrollment game in the state of Indiana on Friday night, D.C. and Terre Haute North. It will not be an easy game for Decatur Central. Uh, D.C. the favorite in that one, but it is worth mentioning as the lone game in 5A or 6A that is being played. Anything else you want to cover before we wrap things up, uh, my good man? I just wish everybody stay safe. Get out and support our kids on Friday night. Stay safe, meaning, uh, you know, let's hope everybody gets to take the field as scheduled on Friday night. We have seen this in volleyball and soccer that a handful of teams have had to withdraw from the tournament, you know, from soccer in the regional round. Uh, for volleyball with the sectional round taking place. Uh, it's been practicing social distancing. Keep it that way uh, until the end of the football season because there is something to be said, even for the teams that are beaten and their season is over on Friday night to actually getting to complete your season. There is a victory in that these days. Indeed. We wish everyone nothing but the best. Best of luck to your team. And Baz and I will do it again next week. The State Champs Indiana Extra Point Podcast presented by Lawrence Technological University.